And I learned this from another great leader. You need to give people your trust and let them earn your mistrust. And so we're going to trust that you are on the other side of your computer getting work done. And yeah, you'll go take care of things in the kitchen or do some laundry or whatever. But realistically, you're, you're getting your work done. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time tuning in, we just want to let you know we exist for you and we want to welcome you to the Kelly family. And so as someone who has jumped in for the first time, maybe you're trying to find some great content, find something that helps you grow in your leadership, I'd like to let you know that we do exist for you. And so if you would like to get some insight from some of our faculty, maybe as an organizational leader, you're just really wrestling with a tough leadership decision and you would love some input, you would love some advice, you'd love for us even to turn it into a podcast episode or... You just know of a great individual who would make an awesome guest for our show. We would love to hear from you. Reach out to us via email. Send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at IUPUI.edu. So one thing I think is very evident now that we are over six months into this COVID pandemic, I think the more that people have been working from home, it's it's very clear that there is a workplace culture shift that is happening. And in this case, it's been happening before COVID. But I think now more than ever, it's kind of forced organizations into this culture shift. And I'm talking about the business philosophy of this idea of what we think about work. Typically, when we think about work, it's a you know, we always have that adage, the nine to five grind, you know, working and, and having to get stuck in commute and traffic. And there's all these things. I mean, we think about when we think of how work's done, you take vacation, you get two weeks vacation off, you disconnect for a week, you go somewhere, you come back and you sit back in an office and you grind it out. However, in Tech Valley especially, there's a lot of organizations prior to COVID that have started to make a change where why do we have to just keep work and life separate? Why can't we bring them together? Why can't we have people work while on vacation? And that's something that's been at the forefront. We've seen it in so many organizations, especially in Silicon Valley and a lot of these tech organizations. And now we're starting to see it ripple into the mainstream business. So today we want to explore this philosophy that is beginning to overtake business, especially now, now that here in COVID, so many organizations are working from home and choosing where they want to get work done. I am honored today to be joined by Chris Byers, the CEO of Formstack. Chris, just thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. It's great to be here and look forward to the conversation. So let's start it off. You know, obviously, like I said, there's this philosophy that's really upending, uh, you know, the traditional way in which we think of work. So before we dive into, you know, some of the more nuanced and philosophical conversations and then get into some things that you guys do as an organization, talk about, you know, your business philosophy from a CEO standpoint and how that's impacted Formstack. Yeah, you know, for us, we, uh, I'd say from the very beginning, I always told people, and especially when it comes to remote work, I always told people, you know, work where you are most effective. And so at the time, 10 years ago, that was kind of like, 
hey, if you want to go work at a coffee shop for the morning and then come into the office because you get some creative time there, you get to, you're able to solve problems there, great, go do that. And uh, it wasn't until a couple of years later that uh, I, I actually had an opportunity to move back to Oklahoma for, uh, with my wife who had a, a job opportunity and we were leaving Indiana where our office was. And I said, you know what, I, I think I can still make this work. And at the time that was remote work of really just jumping on a plane most weeks and going back to the office. But then over the next year, we hired somebody who was actually in Poland. So not even in the US, we uh, had somebody say, you know what, I want to move to Chicago. And then another one said, I want to move to San Francisco and to everybody. We're like, yeah, that's that, that works. And it came out of a philosophy we call be agile and iterate. And so that to me is just simply saying, you're going to be faced with business problems all the time. Just go try something like try, try the next new thing and see if it works. And if it does keep going, if it doesn't like adjust. And so it really was for us over the course of a year or two that we finally said, you know, what? let's just open the door to remote working. Let's make sure that even if you are in an office, you know, you work uh, remotely and, and this is more like a dedicated co-working space. And so um, that's kind of laid the ground for us to enter into COVID with, uh, like, thankfully, just a lot more ability to just keep going and not not have to change our methods too, too much. One thing that's fascinating is this is a trend that you guys kind of jumped on way before. I mean, I think it was kind of a starting of, you know, 10, 15 years ago where tech companies, especially for, you know, because of the high turnaround that is existent in tech companies with talent shortages and, you know, you have to offer what, you know, something better than the last organization and, you know, probably a, uh, a iteration of that, you know, you guys are able to help people, you know, live their life at the same time as get great work done and have a meaningful, feel like a meaningful existence because they're able to do more in in less time. So uh, talk about, you know, one of the, one of the, I think, red flags that comes out, you know, for a lot of organizational leaders or maybe organizational leaders who uh, are having a hard time uh, thinking about how do you, how do you trust your organization to get work done. I mean, I'm, like they think accountability, like all these things are just shouting, you know, like how do you, how do you address these issues? So talk about initially, you know, some of the issues that you had to address, but also some of the issues that as you were starting to implement and let people go that were just kind of starting to pop up. Yeah. You know, there, there's two things that come to mind when we got in those early days of remote. And I, uh, one of them is definitely, you know, what is that other person doing on the other side of the camera or not on the other side of the camera? I can't get a hold of them. Uh, like, and I go into this kind of stress, like, I don't know if they're getting any work done all day. And eventually we kind of had to say, you know what? Uh, and I learned this from, from another great leader. Uh, you know, he said, you need to give people your trust and let them earn your mistrust. And so uh, we had to kind of bring a mentality around the, the organization to say, you know what? We're going to trust that you are on the other side of your computer getting work done. And yeah, you'll get out and do some things and, you know, you'll go take care of things in the kitchen or do some laundry or whatever. But realistically, you're, you're getting your work done. And that was a great mindset shift for us because in our world, what we actually learned was people are far more productive than in the office. Uh, you have other challenges like how do we collaborate? But productivity was actually rarely a problem because most people do kind of feel like, oh, if I'm not sitting here typing my my Slack or Teams or whatever icon isn't green, then I'm kind of, I feel like I'm not doing my job. And yet, if you flip back to that office environment, I mean, 
you would walk by people's desks and you're just like, oh, there they are, they're working. They could be surfing Facebook or, or doing <laughs> all kinds of other things or they talking to you know friends and that takes up way too much time. And so it was never like we actually knew what people were doing, even in the office. And so I think having to make, make that mind shift was really helpful for us. And, and I have to keep reteaching people that over and over again, remember, hey, like give them your trust first and, and they could prove you wrong sometimes, absolutely, but not always. And I think that's such an interesting perspective that you have, you know, because you're so right. I think there is like maybe a comfort factor of an organizational leader knowing that the people are there. So they just assume, oh, hey, they're here, they're physically here, they must be working because they're just sitting at their desk. But yeah, you're right. I mean, how many times are people just Facebooking or they got all their work done by mid-afternoon and so they have to eat the clock because, you know, there's a policy maybe they can't leave. And so they're just kind of stuck. Say, hey, what happened on ESPN or, you know, what what's going on in, in social media or, hey, maybe I can use this time to get some shopping or run some errands without having to leave. You know, it's a really interesting perspective you brought up. Uh, and so I, I want to kind of go a, a little further, you know, as you guys have been implementing some uh, of these, you know, policies, or I guess just kind of freeing up people to be, to work where they want to work. You know, what were some unintended consequences maybe that you guys did discover uh, that, I mean, maybe a lot of organizational leaders are either about to face or are facing now, now that everything's been working remotely. And then how did you guys address those? Yeah. You know, I would say one of them or a couple that came early was we discovered over, over some pretty quick time frame that we actually needed to implement effectively a new cultural value. And that cultural value we called communicate status. So if you think about uh, the old original Twitter or Facebook days where my, I, I'm going to update my status and say I'm eating lunch and here's a picture of my lunch or like that basic kind of stuff, that's what we were trying to teach people to do. Uh, if you're in a remote world, you kind of need to do the job for other people to let them know how you're doing, to say, hey, this is what I'm working on right now. Hope you're doing well. Hey, I've got a question, say, for my manager. Uh, can you help me with this? But you need to be the uh, the individual needs to kind of help there because if the manager is always and the team is always having to do the work to figure out what's going on with this person, what are they working on, how are they doing, are they doing well today or poorly today, like that's really hard work. And eventually you're going to say, and that's hard to work with this person in a remote world. And so I think kind of getting in front of that and saying, hey, we need you to change some of your habits because it isn't like we can kind of glance over and say, how you doing as well. Uh, it's not quite as easy. We can't look over and, and think you're doing well. And so uh, I, I think that that's an early lesson for us. I think the, uh, you know, the other thing that comes to mind is as you move into a remote world, I think the ability to move to written communication becomes much, much more important because as you know, if, if you and I um, weren't recording this and we were just talking and we, we had some amazing business insights or whatever, no one else in the world will ever, ever know. <laughs> uh, in, a, in an office environment, if you and I were having this in the hallway or near some other people, they might hear and jump in or, or learn or whatever. And so, you know, I think you've got to, if you, as you transition to more written communication, that becomes much more repeatable. People can digest it in their own time. Um, they can look back on it a day from now, a week from now, a year from now. And so we had to really shift a lot of our, our communication. So a lot of people will come in and say, and you guys email a lot. It's like, yeah, we probably kind of do, but it means the message got to everybody. And it means they got a chance to read it in their own time. 
And hopefully that just makes life a little bit easier. And I think that brings up a really interesting point. What you said earlier is, you know, having those walk-bys where you can kind of see and interact, engage with people. You know, we did a podcast two couple weeks ago uh, with Chelsea Duquet, uh, and she was a uh, HR consultant. And I was, we were talking about this idea of mental wellness, especially being um, at home. And so one thing I want to ask you as an organizational leader and one who, you know, you not only are trying to cast a vision for the future, but you always are making sure your team's okay. You have, you're having to check in just to make sure that, that your, your team's not burned out. Your teams aren't, you know, uh, unhappy, you know, that they're, that they're okay. But, you know, in, in part of that, we, now that we work remote and for, for you all being remote for so long, you don't really get that opportunity at times to walk by everyone's desk and just look in someone's eyes, look at someone's face, look at someone's body language and go, I just want to pull them aside and just, just do a quick, Hey, I I see you are, is everything okay? You know, we're just kind of reliant on people or just assuming that people are okay unless they come and to me and say something. So how do you as a CEO, as an organizational leader, stay in tune with uh, members in your team just in in a way that you you would if you were physically there where you could just, hey, are, are you okay? I just want, I want to check in with you. Yeah, you know, during this time, I'd say we have had to take a much stronger approach to really just starting a lot more conversations that way. I'd go back actually to early on in the uh, kind of the lockdown for so many people, we did an all company kind of Zoom meeting and something we do on a regular basis. And, you know, a typical thing for us would be like, let's have celebrations. So everybody kind of jump in chat or whatever and kind of say, hey, what, what's going on? That's great. And, and I just woke up that day and I was like, this just does not feel right. And like in the middle of just terrible time <laughs> saying, hey, let's celebrate. And I said, you know, everybody, we will get to celebrations here in a minute, but let's just take a moment and drop in the chat here and, and just share something that's going on in your life that frankly isn't so good. Like something that's uh, like you need to kind of to just tell people about and just the, the sadness that, <laughs> that came out of that was both, um, I, I'd say, revealing like what's going on in people's lives. And it was a lot harder than I expected. Uh, I mean, the, the, the room of many, many, uh, you know, people just had kind of tears everywhere, but it also just opened the door to say, Hey, we're humans. Um, it's no good for anybody. It, and the varying levels of no good is all over the place. And let's just keep that conversation going and keep it open. And so I, I'd say we're, we're probably getting worse at that as we're now six, seven months into it. We're all getting back into just, oh, it's another work day. But I think we need to keep working at asking how people are and making sure that is top of mind to, to check in on people. And uh, I think it's a smart way to go. And I think even, even you know, that it's a very serious thing, you know, dealing with people and their wellness, especially being cooped up and being at home. And I, I think that's a great idea uh, to just airing space for people to say, hey, no, I'm not okay. And, and here's why. And being like, oh, okay, like, hey, we're, totally get it. We're going to get through this. You know, I, I want to kind of pivot a little bit that's kind of in the same lane. You know, it, it's also for new organizational hires, you know, this building this buy-in and even I would say maybe not everyone, how do you continue to build this sort of buy-in to the company? Because I know for me, it's, it's sometimes you just almost feel forgotten because, you know, you're working in your island, you know, you feel separated and disconnected or I'm just, I'm just a 
task checklist to my manager because as long as I'm getting my checks, like I'm not bothered, no one's checking in, what have you. So what are ways that you have been able to work on building buy-in for your team, like getting them excited to say, man, like I'm proud because I work at Formstack, you know, like I I couldn't imagine going somewhere else because of the buy-in that is built by the culture you guys have, have established. Yeah, you know, there's two things that we try to do to help drive the most uh, kind of out of our culture. And uh, I'll talk about both of them, but one is onboarding and taking a a, a bit more serious approach for that than I think we would if we were just an office-based environment. And the other one is um, what we're going to have to reimagine a little bit, (laughs) but is two in-person events that we would do uh, twice kind of during the year. And so on that on that onboarding side, you know, just like we talked about, you can't uh, via osmosis pick up nearly as much in person. And so all of us have showed up to a company on day one where somebody said, hey, there's your desk, here's your computer, we'll see you later. And you're kind of like, oh, I've got to orient myself, I've got to meet the person next next to me. But that works, like it, it, it's not a great, like, even if you're in, in person, you still should be doing a better job of onboarding, but it, it gets the job done. In a remote world, you're like, oh, I got on my email and I have nothing to do now. And I don't know who to talk to. I don't know anybody. And so we've kind of gone through this, you know, you've got a two to three week, it it is a long checklist basically, but lots of things we're asking you to do over that first three weeks from anything from learning the product to uh, kind of will make you a little bit uncomfortable and say, hey, go reach out to this person and and ask them about this basically inside joke. Um, And it just kind of gets people oriented to the organization, but it, it's taken some serious work. And in fact, I'd say we overinvested in onboarding early on because we were remote to, to just say, like, we know this is an important part of your journey. And then as we go forward, uh, as I mentioned, we, we have tended to do the, or we've always done these in-person events. So one event during the year is the entire team gets together. So we've done anything from Indianapolis to Chicago to did Mexico this year. And then the other side of the year is your team will get together physically and go kind of wherever. As we go forward, that is such an important part of our culture. It's where we cast vision, but more important than that is where it's, you can get together and hang out with people, build your relationships. Because I've always kind of believed if if you have good relationships with the people around you, you'll solve most of your real problems. Um, If you don't, you're going to run into challenges that are, are, harder to overcome. So as we go into next year, we're really thinking about how do we take the same amount of money that we would have done spending, you know, sending people to Mexico to wherever and say, we need to kind of come up with creative ways, probably more virtual to uh, bring the vision, bring uh, and bring that culture and the relationships, which as you know, is hard on video. It's just, you can't build quite the same style of relationship over video. One thing you said I thought that was really fascinating is this idea of playfulness. You know, you didn't say it directly, but the fact that you you have a new hire, go to someone and ask them about some inside joke. Like it's not a serious thing, you know, like a serious request. It's like a, just an icebreaker kind of playfulness, you know, to, to your organization. I love that, you know, and I think it does stem back to kind of what we've been talking about, the philosophy of the, the wall that's been built up between work life and, and 
you know, your personal life where now that wall has kind of been smashed and work and personal are kind of living in the same space. So what other examples do you guys have where, you know, you built in the spirit of playfulness into your organization? Because I think that is key, especially when everyone's cooped up, everyone's sick of seeing Zoom meetings, everyone's, you know, tired of sitting in their living room and they just, they just need some of that playfulness um, just to get them through part of the day. You know, uh, we, we've done a, a handful of things to help uh, help overall. One is just from the Zoom tax perspective. We actually did a kind of a, a big company meeting and made it all virtual in July, whereas normally we'd have people together. But we did it more webinar style, and we actually told people, "We don't want you on video. We will will be your content." And just if you want to throw your feet up, if you want to watch wherever you want to watch at least you don't have this whole, like, I've got to be on camera and everybody's got to see, am I in the frame and all that. Um, you know, our teams are, are working through some creative things like our, our marketing team did their, again, what would have normally been in person, but their team kind of all hands uh, event uh, just this week. And they hired uh, comedy sports to come in and help them do improv. It was on Zoom. So you still got have that challenge, but they said it was wonderful, just this great you know, opportunity to hang out, have fun together. And uh, they use breakout rooms and different things that made it still kind of as, you know, as close as you can get to that in-person event. And so uh, I'd say it's taking those things that we're just so used to in the physical, physical environment and figuring out how can we do it in more um, creative ways. One of the things I'm thinking about for next year is how do I encourage my team to even get out, uh, so if they're remote, if they're all over the, the US, all over the world, how do I encourage them to make sure they have good physical relationships with people that they can go walk to the park with? And I, I know it's not work, and, and maybe I'm even asking them to get outside during the day and do that, but that mental health kind of moment of connecting with another human is just so important. And so we're gonna have to find more and more creative ways to keep the relationships alive, keep the, the, the mental health in a good place you know, sitting in a CEO role, you have to start looking at the future. And, um, and I love how you brought in, you know, you're already starting to look a year ahead, you know, how is this going to be impacted? What's going to happen a year, two years? Because, you know, many believe, I'm one of these who believe, I don't think we're ever going to get back to and like what we were before COVID. I think organizations are, are changing how they do business. And I think there may be some resemblance. People may start getting back into the office, but I think it's drastically going to shift for you know, for good, for bad, for however people want to see it, it's going to shift the way we do business day to day um, as employees, as leaders, as consumers. And so I want to start getting some of your perspectives, you know, as one who's starting to sit here, starting to look five years down the line, starting to look 10 years down the line, even heck, even 20, 30 years down the line as organizations are going to keep constantly changing, you know, where do you see the cultures of organizations going and how are you starting to plan for where you want to be 20 years from now? You know, I, th I think you, you touched on one important subject, which to me is, is, is a great mindset to say, you know what, I, I don't know when this is going to end or, or when life will get back to some more normalcy. But I think the better way is to look at it and say, let's assume it's never going to change. Let's assume this is here forever. Because if you'll take that step, it'll actually force you to make some decisions that you're, you're you know, potentially kind of punting down the road right now. And if you'll go ahead and make those decisions, I actually think you'll get in a much better place overall. And for me, I, like in COVID, it was a great decision to say, or for, at least in my own life to say, if I assume this is going to be here forever, what would I do? 
And what things would I go ahead and get out of my house and do? And what would I not? And and figure out what those are for you. But I actually think it'll provide a lot more freedom in, in making decisions rather than saying, well, I'll make that decision in a month or six months or whenever something happens, which is probably never going to be a clear event. <laughs> There's never going to be a line in the sand that is, is uh, like, oh, yep, it's over. And so I, I think that's a great mindset. You know, one of the things I've been rethinking is uh, travel. So I, I would, even in a remote world, I traveled a decent amount. I mean, once a month easily, maybe a handful of times a month. And sometimes it was go to one of our offices. Sometimes it was to go and visit investors, wherever. And I've kind of started to say, wow, man, what would life be like if I just kind of didn't travel? And, and how would I... Uh, create meaningful uh, still engagement and uh, work with people because I, I do think we're going to find more and more things we can accomplish without actually going somewhere and, and meeting somebody. And so um, I don't know exactly where this is, uh, you know, this will go, but I, I think some of that is probably more immersive, even video experiences. How do I, how can I just go sit in my room and the, you know, the room is, it's more, the video. And so I don't have to think about where am I in the frame and I can kind of relax, throw my feet up, what, you know, create more of that in-person moment. But I I do think people need to think more and more about uh, kind of reimagining their world of work. How do they uh, take the current process that they have? It's probably inefficient, especially if it requires more in-person interaction and think about automation or think about um, making sure it doesn't require as much back and forth with another person because uh, it's just slowing things down. And so I do think there's some great opportunities that will come over uh, us being forced into this kind of life for a while. You know, finally, as we begin to wrap up this episode, uh, I want to talk about, uh, you know, or ask you, uh, as someone who's been here, had to go through some of the tough decisions of transitioning or building an organization with a heavy emphasis on remote working. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of organizational leaders who are still struggling, you know, and how do you manage a team remotely? How do you work to still build culture? You know, but mostly how do they, as a, as a leader, how they're struggling maybe to just grasp effective management for their teams. You know, so I'd love to ask you, what is some of your advice looking back in the times in the early days when you uh, were working and struggling to kind of get everything to kind of start clicking for your organization and your teams being anywhere and still getting the job done? What advice do you have for managers even still struggling now to, to really get this virtual work environment, you know, locked down? You know, I, there's three things that come to mind. One is consistently uh, delivering vision to your organization. Where are you going? What are you trying to accomplish? And that reminds people like, okay, this is why I'm here. Even if I'm sitting at home, it's why I'm here, whether I'm in an office or not. Um, I think then driving toward culture, if you have not taken the time to document your cultural values, like they, they exist and they're real, even if you don't know them. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, what's beautiful about cultural values that take one like transparency, we, we have one called default to transparency. And that means that, you know, default, like those default buttons is like default is on, uh, or, but you can still turn it off. So it's not like we're transparent about 100% everything all the time. But if there's ever a question, if it's on the line, we make the transparent decision and say, I'm going to go ahead and share this information. Well, the beauty of cultural values is they're still true, whether you're remote or not, but people don't always know them. And uh, so if you can document them, I think that helps bring in the right people and helps people 
uh, kind of know what you're doing. But the other thing we did that I, I think we do better than most, but still do a terrible job is goal setting. So we really try to set goals at the top of the organization. And it's really difficult. We try to like let them cascade down through each level of the organization because our hope is it does two things. Um, one is it gives you alignment. So your manager, your team kind of knows what you're working on and you know what they're working on. And it also helps create some belonging, like, okay, I get my, I, I am contributing to a larger purpose. And so I think if you can get some of those things, you know, going well, right, it's going to make a big difference in, in kind of what you can uh, kind of do in your business. Again, Chris Byers, CEO of Formstack. Just want to thank you so much for sharing your time and your wisdom here on the ROI podcast. Thanks, Matt. It was a lot of fun. I hope uh, hope uh, to continue to hear some of these episodes in the future. This has been another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.